In the episode 1387 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1387. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with uh, one of my good friends, one of our favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries, the proprietor of Sportsology and author of numerous books, be they on hockey or other sports, good friend Russ Cohen, and uh, here today for our 2021-22 NHL season preview uh, after uh, yet another shortened preseason because of the last couple of years being affected by the COVID pandemic, uh, as this season will be as well. We'll talk about that as well. But uh, another shortened offseason, not as short as the previous offseason, but here we are again. And this, at least on paper, resembles more of a normal season than did last year. The Canadian border will be open. The divisional and conference uh, framework is back in place. Uh, albeit with a 30-second team. We'll be talking about that as well. But uh, my good friend, Russ Cohen, here to talk hockey, as always on the program. Russ, great to have you back, buddy. How you doing? Good, Rick. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly normal. I mean, the Canadian teams are only playing themselves in the preseason because they didn't know how it was going to be, and they're not playing, like, enough games and, and enough days. So, like, the Leafs just added a inter-squad game so they could evaluate so it's still a little different, and a lot of teams, the Canadian teams are going to play each other early in the season, too, because they didn't know how the border was going to be. But beyond that, we are getting 82 games, so now we have an extra team in the Kraken. That's going to add a little uh, extra intrigue. So I think it's mostly going to be a regular season. It will be fun, no question about it. And, you know, there's a lot of good hockey to look forward to. There is. Uh, in terms of uh, the players, it's a thing where, again, with the, uh, the the two sports that are on the most similar calendar, of course, the NHL and the NBA. So we're hearing an awful lot right now of controversy about NBA players, some very high-profile ones. Kyrie Irving, who is not saying that he is unvaccinated, but is giving every hint that that is indeed the case. Any number of other players, Andrew Wiggins, for Golden State, which, you know, I as a Cavs fan, not exactly shedding any tears for the Warriors, but uh, although one, one could say the way he's gone the last couple of years could be a little bit of addition by subtraction, but we're not hearing this as much in the NHL. I saw a headline today on ESPN about a stray player who is marginal at best to even make the Columbus Blue Jackets roster who's unvaccinated. So we're not hearing as much of this in the NHL, and yet I, team, though, like, I, know, I can't um, help but think it's going to be a story, Russ. Oh, no, no, it, it's Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, the starting goalie for the Devils. Did see that. Vaccinated. Yes. It's definitely causing some issues there. Uh, again, as their number one goalie, he's not going to play. be able to play in Canada until things change there. So that's going to be something. Even though Duncan Keith got vaccinated, 
he started to say that the PA sort of pushed him into it. And it's like, well, you signed a new contract with a new team. They traded for him, right? So they, they traded, the Edmonton Oilers traded for Duncan Keith. You know they were looking for veteran leadership. And what does he do? He stays home, and then he decides, yeah, you know what? All right, I'll get vaccinated. So then he shows up late to camp and then starts bitching about it. And I don't know, call me crazy, but that's not leadership. No, I would agree. And the thing of it is, and you, you talk about with uh, Blackwood and also, uh, again, Kyrie Irving, I don't know what it is about the New York metro area and some of these athletes, but uh, I know for uh, in the case of Kyrie, he may not even be able to play home games because of the uh, the local restrictions and stuff. Is this something he that could affect to, Blackwood? He to play home games. Mm-hmm. Uh, de Blasio basically said that. Mm-hmm. But, he, you know, it's interesting. For some reason, guests, you know, teams that come in mm-hmm. don't have to be vaccinated and can play there. That's Probably weird. because they're only there for 48 hours. So that's a weird thing, but that's the okay. case. Well, is, is Blackwood, and again, I realize here, uh, you know, different jurisdiction, but do you think he's going to be subject to the same kind of thing and maybe not being able to play at home? No. Okay. New Jersey won't do that to him. Okay. I believe he'll be able to play. Okay. Uh, New York's a little stricter. Yes. But going to Canada, he won't be able to do. Going to New York, he'll be able to do because, again, you know, they're not, they're not dinging anybody that's unvaccinated that's visiting. Uh, also, uh, Evander Kane was accused by the NHL of violating – COVID protocol. So now this is something where if he gets dinged for that, he could receive a suspension. COVID protocols, gambling protocols. I mean, it just kind of keeps well, going with that. Was cleared, so okay. He was cleared. Okay. <laughs> but, but this one, he is not. Yes. And so let's see where that goes because this is now the latest in many things that are going to be involved with Evander King. Yes, uh, it, it has been one thing after another kind of throughout his career. But, uh, you know, yeah, you've, you've got this this COVID overhang over the season uh, yet again. Uh, we, we touched on it with uh, the new team in Seattle. We'll get to that when we talk a little bit more about that division, of course. The other thing is the sea change as opposed to the last 15 years or so is bye-bye Peacock Network slash Peacock slash all that under the NBC Universal banner. And uh, you have all things Disney, whether it be ESPN, ABC, Hulu, I think probably ESPN Plus, all of those getting uh, some of the rights to the NHL for the next several years, I believe seven years. And then... uh, Yeah, just so you know, so listeners know, the ESPN Plus Hulu is the main package. Like, because, you know, there's no more Game Center, there's no more NHL TV, things like that. Mm-hmm. There is still Center Ice on TVs. They still have that package. But for people online, it is the Hulu, ESPN Plus, that's the main one. And then, again, every team's got about 13 or so games that are going to be on different networks. Maybe you don't get TNT. Maybe you don't get ABC. Maybe you don't. You know, so then cord covers are going to have to decide what else are they going to want to add to get as many games as they could. And so that, you know, the NHL could lose some some eyeballs on that. They could, because it's going to be difficult because people are not used to going to all these different places. They very well could. And then, of course, uh, as you said, TNT with the other half of the package uh, that they're going to have. Uh, on I'll the just di- bring up that. Yeah. You, I don't know if you watched it last night. A little bit. A little bit. What would okay, you think? And, you know, it reminded me of UHF TV because <laughs> – we saw the screen get wobbly, then we saw like the one-tenth of this picture on the top, and then some on the, 
in the middle, then it was in the bottom and some in the middle, like the vertical hole was bad. And it reminded me of like old black and white TV when I was a kid. I get it's your your first time, right? But this was like ESPN at the beginning. It was like maybe you have a bad first period, okay. But this was running through the game. And so to me, this was not a great a great start for them. I'm not saying it's gonna be terrible all year. And then I just found the the studio itself to be very bland. Like it was just they had this blue-looking ice behind them, which is fine, except when we watch NHL games, the ice is white. Yeah. Um, and it does show up well on TV like that. But that's okay. They want to be different. I don't mind that. Um, but then the desk was, like, silver, and everything else was just, like, blue or silver, and it was all monochromatic. Like, where are the colors? Even NHL Network knew you have to have some color in there. It, it really was kind of like a dull-looking set. And I, you know, to, for something new... And I, I just thought maybe, you know, they would try and hit it out of the box. I don't think they did. Well, and you know that uh, ESPN's going to go the other way because they always do. They'll work oh, yeah. in neon and every other type thing under the sun probably uh, on their set. Uh, when you mentioned about uh, Hulu and ESPN+, Plus, this will mark, I think, probably the first time. I, and I know that ESPN+, Plus is going to be, like you said, if you want to get the complete package, you'll have to go through that uh, to order that. But as far as... Yeah. Other games being broadcast along the way, ESPN Plus will have some of those. And then I believe this is going to be the first, but certainly not the last time, that we're going to be seeing live sports on Hulu. If this works out, you're going to see more. I really feel like the um, the reason, the main reason why ESPN made this deal was because they needed to fill up ESPN Plus. I don't think they had enough programming on it, and this was a way to fill it up. And uh, again, it is one of these things where, and, and it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, in, in recent years that hockey and baseball uh, have, have sort of gone more towards uh, more of a silo kind of nicheified type basis. But in that regard, it's not entirely unlike what NBC has done with the Premier League. I mean, that is a significant niche of people out there in the United States that want to see Premier League games. And that's a big inventory that they have on Peacock. So it's kind of the yeah. same thought process. Yeah. I mean, I just never signed up for Peacock, and I probably never will. I just feel like there's going to be NHL fans that say the same thing. I'll do the one package. Maybe I'll figure out how to get you know some network programming. Because like ABC, when ABC blocks everybody out, you better have a way of getting ABC or the couple of games that your team's on then. You're, there's no way you're going to be able to watch otherwise. And... You know, for for TNT, I don't know how easy it is for cord cutters to watch TNT, I'll be honest. Well, there is that, and then uh, as far as, uh, I don't know for sure, but I would guess that they might be looping in some kind of Bleacher Report live uh, at some point as well. It would probably make sense to try and push some streaming options. Oh, you know what, that way. it's just coming to me, Rick, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I do know that some TNT games are going to get streamed through the ESPN Plus package, so I don't know if it'll be all of them. Oh, we'll interesting. See how that goes. Interesting. Um, I, I do know as well, and it is funny here how these things go full circle. So I'm going to reflect back actually uh, very early in our friendship, Russ, when uh, you and I were at a, a Columbus Clippers game uh, oh, some yeah. years ago. And I remember I was sitting there bitching to you because I didn't have versus TV. And you were like, yeah. well, maybe you should get it. Maybe you should call your cable system if you want it badly <laughs> enough. And I said to you, I said, what is the NHL? 
my, my idiot friend that wants me to get Amway. I have to buy Amway from my friend here. Like, so it's, you know, there's echoes of what I was saying to you and what you're saying now about people having to follow the NHL to these new platforms. <laughs> hilarious i yeah, remember that too, yeah right? yeah i mean so every time there is an adjustment when it comes to this kind of stuff but uh you know we'll, we'll see how that all works out and we are uh again reverting to uh the what had been the traditional uh divisional format slash conference format of the last several years after a year of deviating from that and what that brings us to is if you look at the atlantic division here you have the highly unusual circumstance. I mean, you'd have to go back to probably around the time of uh, the original six and uh, maybe uh, after that period when it would be possible that the two teams in the Stanley Cup final would be in the same division because you now have Tampa Bay and Montreal that will be having several Stanley Cup uh, final rematches within the purview of divisional games in the Atlantic. And uh, I see this being a very, very competitive division. I see them obviously both, well, especially obviously in the case of Tampa Bay, of being uh, playoff teams as Ch Tampa Bay chases the very rare three-peat. But uh, you've got at the top of the division, uh, if you're going to be contending there, uh, Boston and I think Florida, who I think is poised to take another big step forward here. Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit. I have at the bottom of the division here, not really being a factor, but I, I think the Atlanta can yield five playoff teams. It's possible. I don't know if I see that, <laughs> but I will say that it's possible. You know, you make a good argument. Uh, I don't know if Montreal is good enough to do that now. And the Leafs, look, the Leafs have Campbell and Morozik. I think that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. If Campbell stays healthy, I think he'll be really good for them. I mean, he had went on an amazing run last year. Yes. Uh, but, but not necessarily in the playoffs, but he was like 17-3-2 in the regular season. I, I just, there is always a chance the Leafs have a hiccup in net, too. And if they do, then that's an issue for them, too. So that's that's the only place I, I stray. But the Panthers are a great team. Uh, the Bruins are still good. It wouldn't shock me if the Panthers take that division, though. I would not be shocked at that this year. Kind of, it could be kind of their year for that. I don't think Tampa's going to go all out to try and win the division either, because they kind of know they just need to stay healthy. Exactly, and uh, yeah, t uh, Toronto was the one team I hadn't mentioned, but I agree with you. I mean, the questions that they have are sort of the usual questions that they bring into every season. But uh, interestingly enough, yeah, I don't know how many people would agree, but. Uh, I guess we both agree that uh, Florida could be the team that ends up taking the division title at the end of the year. Um, in the Metropolitan Division, uh, it's going to be very tightly contested at the top. I, I think it could be very, very tight between, I do have it in this order, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Washington, and uh, the Rangers. Uh, but uh, I, I think the Islanders possibly, again, they've been very strong making the conference finals the last two years. Uh, well, it wasn't conference finals last year, but you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, they're going to be right there in the mix. Uh, I, I think it's a little bit distant behind them for Philly, New Jersey, and then uh, Columbus uh, for Philly. And you're, of course, based right there. I mean, the, the big question, is it not, is what's going to happen in net for them this year? Yeah, all right, so a few things. I, I do agree the Islanders are one of the better teams. I think they could take that division. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, Pittsburgh is going to be without Malcolm and Crosby to start the season. I hear Crosby may come back a little sooner than we anticipated, but Malcolm's going to be out until at least January. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's going to hurt a little bit. And their goaltending's a little up in the air. 
the Flyers have a lot of players that need to gel. And I started to see some, you know, better improvement in right away with Provo playing with Ryan Ellis. So that, that that's good. That's a positive. I saw a negative last night with Martin Jones not looking great as the backup. I think Carter Hart looks fine. So if Carter Hart has it back, that's good. But I think what may ride on their season, believe it or not, is can Martin Jones win 18 to 20 games, something like that. If he can't, that could put them on the outside looking in. And the Rangers, uh, while their top six is really good, I don't love their bottom six. I don't love the greenery on the fourth line. I, I think, yeah, it might get fans interested when, you know, Reeves is taking on Wilson or whatever, or Sammy Blay is doing the same against, you know, name your other team, you know, it's the Islanders and if it's Ross Johnston or, or Cal Clutterbuck. But in the end of the day, I think the Rangers are still going to need to get points from their bottom six. And some of like their, their third line is going to be young. And then the fourth line is going to be Rooney, Blay, and Reeves. And it's not great offensively. Like everybody wants to say, well, you know, Ryan Reeves will get you points. And it's like, okay, yeah, he'll get, you know, 10, 15 points maybe. But is he going to get them when I need them? And how many minutes a game are you actually going to play that line? So I do think that could be a detriment for them. They're goaltending solid. I'm not worried about that. But they could be on the outside looking in, uh, especially when they have to go up against teams that are really strong up the middle. They are not really strong up the middle. So that's another um, potential issue. Exactly. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you on what you're saying about the Islanders, but I think the question at the end of the day comes back to, and, and again, you don't know necessarily if they make it back to the Final Four, if you will, that they would uh, catch up with Tampa Bay, although that is a possibility. The Islanders are just a team I look at, and again, they have been uh, with Trotz the last couple of years there. I mean, the focus that they have had defensively has just been amazing. But the yes. question for me with the Islanders as I look at them, and, and, and the main reason I think they haven't made it uh, past and into the finals the last two years, the question comes back to, are they going to have enough pop in that offense? Yeah, I think Noah Dobson will add some some punch on the blue line, some points. I think Oliver Wallstrom is going to add. I think Bovillier has taken another step, mm-hmm. and he's already super fast, but I already think he's figured out how to get behind the other teams' defense and could add more points as well. So I think with that, a uh, healthy Anders Lee in the crease – Look, they're just counting about winning the differential, but I do think they'll be better scoring this year than last year. I know they lost Nick Letty, but I think they can make some of those points up. So I think, I don't know if their offense is that bad. Actually, I think the Flyers may struggle at times to get extra points. Uh, that could be an issue because some of the guys they plugged in, like Broussard, you know, these are, these are guys that, yes, they could play NHL minutes, but aren't necessarily going to give you a lot of points. I think the Flyers, like fourth line, isn't going to produce a lot of points. The third line will produce some. Depends who the third line center is. You know, Kevin Hayes is going to miss some significant time at the beginning of the year. That's going to hurt him. So I think they could come out of the gate a little rusty. The thing about the Islanders, just getting back to them, that we have to remember is they're going to play 13 games on the road. Right. And I think Zidane Ochara will help having that guy in the locker room to help just sort of, you know, get everybody through that. But that's a lot of games on the road to start the season. It is, but that kind of veteran leadership obviously is going to help uh, greatly. Uh, in the Western Conference, uh, looking at the Central Division here, uh, I, again, it, it seems very obvious, uh, as much as I 
uh, as an old school Wings fan, hate to say it, uh, the team to beat uh, clearly, I think, is uh, Colorado. It's been a little bit kind of head scratching, I think, the last two years in yeah. terms of their inability to get further in the playoffs. But uh, this year, I do think they're going to win the Central uh, by a, uh, a good amount. I think that's going to set them up pretty well to take the the, uh, the President's Trophy. And uh, obviously, so I have them as a playoff team. Some of the other ones that I expect to be right there in the mix, Winnipeg, St. Louis, uh, Dallas, uh, Minnesota, I think, uh, clearly based on what they did last year, they surprised me a little bit making the playoffs. And uh, I, again, I think a, a good foundation for them to build on. I do have Nashville, Arizona, and Chicago further back in the pack, but uh, the Central has just been a really, really brutal division the last couple of years with some of the power teams uh, in here and uh, teams making it to the finals like Dallas and then St. Louis, who did actually win. So uh, another meat grinder of a division, but I, I think even with all that said, and as much as I'm puking in my throat by a little bit saying this, I think Colorado has the chance to really separate themselves even in an excellent division. I think so. Um, I think uh, I, I've been saying it every year. I know we did that for years with the Sharks too, but they changed in net. We'll see if Darcy Kepler could uh, be the difference there. Uh, I also think that some of their younger players – Will um will help really fuel them, so that's something they're pretty strong. They're pretty strong with their center depth. I didn't love them losing Ryan Graves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was something where I felt like it, it really was. He's a good shot blocker. He scored more points than you think. That's something where I think it hurt him a little bit, and we'll see just how much. But Nazem Kadri being out the way he was definitely hurt him. I think Alex Newhook will be um, a big star for them this year. I think he has a chance to score a fair amount of points. So, you know, Kale McCarr is Kale McCarr. Eric Johnson's back. Sam Gerard's still there. So I think those things bode well. The um, Looking at the rest of the division, I think the Blackhawks are a bubble team. I mean, obviously, Marc-Andre Fleur is going to help them. They can't overplay him, though. Right. And we'll see how that does. I, I saw Jonathan Tage play the other night. I was so happy for the guy. I had tremendous respect for him, and he looked good. You know, I saw him, you know, look good offensively. So that was something where, you know what, that's a big boost for them. And they also got Seth Jones, but they still don't have great defense. The stars are the stars. I mean, second back, they're still good. Rupe Hintz missed some time. He's real good. Is You know, I know Bishop's talking a good game. I don't know if he's actually going to be – the guy, but if Bishop somehow were the guy, it would really help him. But yep. you know, the Minnesota Wild got Marco Rossi back, and he had COVID all last year. He he would have played in his rookie year in the NHL, but he didn't get to. And so now, that's a guy who they're adding a center. Uh, they you know they they bring Kaprizov back. He's going to have another big year. And so I I think uh, Minnesota really does kind of look like a, uh, a playoff team to me. So we'll see how that goes. We'll um, also look in, I, th- I think the Preds are out of it. I do. I yeah. think the Coyotes are way out of it. They'll be the last place team. They'll be one of the worst teams in the NHL. The Blues will be interesting. The Blues have done some things, and with Tarasenko, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. We'll see if Bennington has a better year. I think he will. But the Blues have made some good under-the-radar moves. They have Tarasenko playing. They did lose Jaden Schwartz. That hurts a little bit. But, you know, I, I kind of have some faith in them, at least to stay in it. 
I don't know if they're going to be, you know, the force they were a couple of years ago, but I still, I love young guys like Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. I'm a big fan. Uh, Jake Wallman, I think, is a defenseman who's emerging for them. I covered him in college. I think there's something there, too. So there is, there is some hope for them. I don't think it's, you know, amazing hope. But a little bit, I like the Logan Brown trade. They brought in another big center who really didn't get a chance with Ottawa. So we'll see. Well, you know what it is, though. I mean, I, I think I see what you see there, and, and that is for a team, and it's going to sound really, really weird when I talk about uh, the winning DNA that is still in that locker room, the remnants mm-hmm. of the, the team from 2019 that won the championship. When you consider that throughout the 2010s, the, the sort of triumvirate of underachievement was them, Washington, who won the Cup the year before them, and San Jose, and it's only San Jose of the three that wasn't able to break through eventually. So St. Louis, for all those years of futility, we now under, we, we, we associate them with winning because of the nature of it and the whole worst-to-first nature of that season, the magical run that they went on. So, like I said, oddly enough, I actually understand exactly what you're saying when you look at that team because they've got the leadership and the pieces within that might be able to lift these young guys up. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Meanwhile, in the same division here, when you were saying about Nashville, I mean, the, the thing that I still think about, obviously, when I see them is, again, they do the one thing you can still say for them, very good blue line, but it's like, yes. I look at them, and, you know, the, what, the way I was talking about a few minutes ago about the Islanders, to me, Nashville's like a homeless man's version of the New York Islanders. <laughs> yeah, I think... I think we're underselling the Islanders a little bit on that in the sense that they have really solid goaltending. Yes. I mean, I, you know, with Varlamov and Sorokin, I don't know what to expect out of UC Saros. Now that he really is the number one guy for sure, that's going to be, that's going to be hard. So I don't know how that's going to all play out. I'll be honest. So we'll see where that's going to go. I do like Philip Tomasino. He could be a big-time scorer someday in the NHL. He may be able to make the team. Uh, There's also Igor Afanasayev, who I remember him from a couple years ago from the draft. Another guy who has a scoring touch. Will he get a chance? It's possible. So they need guys go there and they don't score. I don't know what it is, but they could be big scorers on other teams. And then they get to Nashville, you know, like Duchesne, and they just don't score. And so maybe it'll be young guys that could do it. You know, Afanasiyev was 20 years old, but he did play some KHL last year and, you know, put up a little few points. And, you know, the KHL isn't the greatest league in the world. He's probably going to start the year in Milwaukee. But at least they're giving Nashville some hope that maybe <clears throat> at some point, they could call some of these guys up and, and told them the same thing. I mean, they re-signed him. I think that was smart. He's always had a, an elite shot. He just needed to sort of round out his game. I want to say it's somewhere between 15 and 17 goals last year. And I do think he can build on that. What did he have last year? 11 goals. So, you know, I think he can build on that. So, but at the end of the day, I still don't know if Nashville makes the playoffs. I doubt it. Well, and it's not only the guys they bring in; it's the homegrown guys. I mean, I'm 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 half jokingly saying I might like to crowdfund a documentary called "Whatever Happened to Philip Forsberg." But I mean, you know, you, you look at the guys that they 
you know, they, they, they were supposed to be, there's a lot of supposed next big things on that roster, and it is just a little bit weird on that. Now, as far as Saros and goal, though, and, and I understand it is a, a little different thing when you're undeniably the man, but uh, for anybody out there that is uh, giving, you know, any kind of optimism about uh, the return of Smashville, I will say, I mean, 927, 228, those are doggone good numbers, uh, even if he wasn't the clear-cut number one guy last year. So, I mean... No, they are, they are. But in the playoffs, he wasn't, yes. wasn't great. Yes, but, you know, playing on a team that's not great either, so I don't know to what extent that had anything to do with it. Although, again, you know, it's you know it's a catch-22, because if he's on a team that's not very good, that's going to limit what he's able to do. So, uh, Nashville, yeah, I, I think you and I both see them on the outside looking in, and uh, perhaps they would fare a little bit better if the geography had them in the Pacific Division, because... I'm just going to start with with a macro observation here. I mean, this to me okay. is clear cut the worst division in hockey. Do, do you, particularly because of the bottom half of it? Do you agree with that? I don't want to make that declarative statement. I know everybody wants to make that. I think if I've learned anything over the years in hockey is that weird things can happen, and a lot of times what we think is the strength, and a lot of times what we think is the weakness, isn't always the case. So I'm not going there yet. Okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just not going there. Because, well, you know, I'm going to start this one by working my way up from the bottom. When you look at, again, the the dominant teams in this uh, division from, you know, the mid-2000s through the, the 2010s, San Jose, Anaheim, L.A., those are all teams that are in that post-big run kind of rebuild and, and still are at that point there. You've got Seattle that, uh, again, the last time, uh, an expansion team came into the league. They were in this division, and they've been the best team in the division the, uh, through the last couple of years. So I'm sure Seattle was looking at Vegas and saying, hey, we can do that too. I yeah. do have them. I've got them in fifth place. I've got them ahead of the other three, but I've, I've got a pretty decent gap between them and the teams that I have as the playoff teams. I think Vancouver is going to bounce back from last year. It was undeniably a disappointing year because they regressed from that excellent run that they had the year before. Uh, but I think they can bounce back. Uh, I, I think uh, it's going to take some doing. I think for for Calgary to kind of kind of get it going again. But I think Calgary uh, can do can do that. And uh, Edmonton, I have being in the mix there. Vegas, I have relatively comfortably winning the division, not in a runaway, but I do have uh, Vegas up there uh, winning it, as would a lot of people. I think. Yeah, I don't think it's hard to argue. I can't argue that. I think that is going to happen. Uh, I don't have like the crack and make the playoffs. I saw them the other day. I think they're a decent team, but I think they're, I want to say close to a traditional um, rebuild, but you know, a new team. But the problem is now new franchises because of Vegas, there's different expectations. So like even um, the right one writer that I heard on Sirius XM talking about the Kraken was like, well, you know, fans are going to hope, that they're close to being a playoff this team next year, this year, and making it next year. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, that's really not not much runway for an expansion team. But we'll see. I think that's I, I think that's a little too much to expect. Uh, I, I see the Golden Knights winning the division two. I don't think the Flames will make the playoffs. Their defense is just lousy. Without Giordano, they're they're really hurting. They got Branson, but that's not even close to a replacement. So I think that's going to hurt them. And even the Kachuk stuff is probably going to, uh, Matthew Kachuk is probably going to affect the team at some point. And Goudreau is going to expect to get traded at some point. So I don't, 
I don't think they can do much. I don't think the Ducks can do much. Maybe the Kings will surprise us. I don't think the Sharks will be as bad as people think because they do have some homegrown talent that I think um, will do some things for them. John Leonard's a guy who I like. I mean, they always seem to find players. Let's see. I get it. Carlson's not the same, but he's not terrible. Vlasic's not the same, but I think he even figured out how to play with his, some of his shortcomings. Let's just see. Let's, let's you know, I'm not saying they're making the playoffs or not, but I think they could be a little more competitive. I, I think the Oilers would be right up there. Uh, I like most of the things they've done, although I still don't love their goals any either. Because Mike Smith at 41 or however old he is, uh, not great. Koskinen, not great. I felt bad that Alex Stalock may not even be able to play this year after getting COVID net last year because of heart problems. That stinks. Because you yeah, remember a couple of years ago, Stalock had a nice little run with um, with Minnesota. And now we're probably not going to get to see him. Or maybe he'll come in later in the season if they get his heart figured out. Uh, the Canucks are interesting because I think their season's going to depend on OEL. I, I like that they got Halak as a backup for Demko. That's good. OEL, let's see where he's at. You know, is he cooked? Is he going to be worth it? Or is he another, you know, Louis Erickson? So that's that's what you have to look at with them. They got their young kids signed. That's fine. Although the Pedersen contract probably walks into unrestricted free agency, but whatever. Uh, as far as the season goes, they're a good team. It could be better like they were a couple years ago or they could be one of those teams that are coming right down to the water. The Kings could be better. I mean, you could really make the argument that the Kings could finally have a big year here in, in the sense that they at least try to contend for the playoffs. They are in a rebuild. I get it. But they've been making some strides to sort of get out of that. Um, Quentin Byfield's putting up some points in the pre in the preseason. So is Arthur Kaliev. You know, they got Brendan Lemieux, who definitely causes trouble. Uh, maybe that'll help him. I always still like Gabe Velarde, even though maybe he's not going to be what they hoped he was when they drafted him. Still a pretty good player. Lee Sanderson is getting some points for them. Former Ranger whose dad scouts for them. And maybe he's going to at least become a decent NHLer. Uh, I have hopes for Lee Sanderson. I know a lot of people bailed on him in New York, but he wasn't really treated great in New York and he wasn't fitting in. He's still a young guy. So I didn't want to, you know, pour dirt on his career just yet yeah. at the age of 22. Maybe he could be a good role player still in the NHL, but, you know, Byfield, I think, has a chance to do some great things. I don't know if Tyler Madden will make the team or not. If he does, he does have a lot of off offensive abilities. John Madden's kid, he's smart. He's still slight of frame, so we'll see if he's strong enough to sort of handle the rigors. That'll be the, um, the big thing there. I would rather send him to the AHL, and, and then Michael Clegg is not quite there, but he's doing better this preseason, so maybe that'll get him a spot in the lineup. They, like I said, they've got Guy Bjornfeldt's a solid defenseman. We always think that Drew Doughty could do better, and even though he plays a million minutes a night, I love Aiden Dudas as a young player for them who really could score, but at 21, is he ready yet, or are they going to you know, throw him down in Ontario like they did last year? Maybe. We'll see. Or maybe even send them back to the OHL. You know, they could do that too. So there's guys that are close, but there's guys that could actually make a difference. You know, Quick is the backup at this point. Cal Peterson's the better guy. Uh, and he was terrific in college. I watched him. I really like him. Obviously, they like him. They've signed him. So could the Kings surprise? It, it, 
it wouldn't shock me if they're in it. Well, here's my faux profound statement for the day. It's very fitting that the Kings are right there on the Pacific Ocean because to me they're a very fluid team in a very fluid division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. I mean, it'll be, I'll watch a fair amount of Kings games this year to kind of gauge where they're at. I'm really interested to see where they're at. And, you know, you know how it is. We have to battle at watching these West Coast games, yep. especially if I come home from a hockey game, sometimes a little. A little, you know, withdrawn and tired from that. But I'm going to do my best because I want to see how they do. I want to watch Quentin by Byfield. Yeah, he's a kid I want to watch. So I will go out of my way to to do those things. But I do think this will be a fun NHL season. Uh, we'll see how guys like Messier and Gretzky do in the studio. It'll be interesting though. There's there's some changes here, so. Sometimes change is good. Yes, and uh, solidifying the position that was gained at NBC last year, I want to say we're very proud of five-time lounge guest Kenny Albert, who will be the lead play-by-play guy on TNT. And I understand that new – yes, he is. And that new contract is going to come with them getting uh, some of the Stanley Cup finals through the next couple of years. So he'll be back on the big stage uh, doing that uh, in those years. Uh, I will say overall here, just in in looking at my predictions for the season, at minimum, I would guess that uh, these would probably not be too far off of anything that you would be thinking. But for the conference finals, I'm saying uh, Florida over Carolina in seven, Colorado over Vegas in seven. And uh, as much as I hate to say it, I think they're going to be partying like it's 1996, 25 years later or 26 it would be, I guess, because I have Colorado over Florida in the final. It's an interesting final. I, I, I'm not going to go so far as to predict all that yet, but I don't think you're far off. I think Florida's capable. I think Carolina is not yet capable, so I think coming up short is is probably what's going to happen with them. I do think that um, Vegas does have a chance to uh, to go back. I think they have an excellent chance. I, I do think even someone like the Washington Capitals, you never know. If they get goaltending, they still have enough offense and – John Carlson looks to be on fire already this offseason. He could be a hell of a, a player and a fire starter for them. Never count out the Penguins. I know they've got a lot of role players now, and but, you know, they'll have arrested Malkin when he comes back. Crosby, you know, is always going to try hard. I just, I look at it and I say, yeah, I could see Colorado. I could see Tampa. I could see Vegas. I could... Maybe see Florida. Florida, I think, boy, is that a bridge too far for me? I'm not sure yet on Florida if they could um, be the cup team. Like last year, as it got later in preseason, I did pick um, Montreal. And, you know, that worked out. Most of the time it doesn't work out for me. I know people were kind of shocked by that. If I were, you know, and and I do think the Islanders have a great chance of getting there too. They do. You know, it was a thing where, again, I give you a lot of credit because I don't think, you know, on it, on the surface it seemed plausible at the time. So I give you a lot of credit for seeing Montreal have the ability to make that kind of a run because most of us didn't see it. The one thing I will say about Florida is I think at this moment they are way more plausible, at least on paper, I think, than was Montreal last year or Dallas two years ago. So for, Yeah, for, I think, I think that's fair. I do. Um, you know, Bob is not going to be a factor, but Spencer Knight will. I mean, Bob is a backup, though. He's a pretty good backup. So, Absolutely. You know, that is that is a plus for them. I don't think it's the Leafs' year. 
I know all or nothing proved that last year wasn't. I think they possibly could get out of the first round. Edmonton, you know, look, if Edmonton added a goalie last minute or the deadline, that could change their fortunes. Like that really could could really do something for them. But, you know, if I'm going to look for a sort of surprise team that I think has a chance to, to go all the way there, I am going to look at the Minnesota Wild. Interesting. Because, you know, we're all focused, and I think a lot of the league are focused on all these other teams. Kaprizov really did add a lot to their team, and I think Bill Guerin has changed the culture there. You know, they have young guys in Eric Sinek. They have good defense. There are a lot of good things to to look forward to there. Cam Talbot, you know, was on a team that made it to the Stanley Cup. He had a part in that because when Lundqvist was out, if you remember, he won a lot of games for the Rangers, and he just didn't get to play in the Cup. I think they have a good mix. I do, and I don't think enough people are talking about them. I think Dean Everson, the coach, has done a good job. You know, they even picked up guys like Freddie Goudreau, who, if you remember, was really good with Nashville when they were Smashville, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not saying I'm picking them just yet. But they could be a surprise team that's there. Okay. If I got to go for a team that's off of the consensus top tier, uh, I'll, I'll be a, uh, a bitter clinger, as it were. I've put them over the last couple of years, and they haven't done it. I'll say Winnipeg. Uh, they, they've still got, you know, some of their best pieces are still young and theoretically getting better. So and that's bad goaltending for sure. It uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll say Winnipeg if I've got to go for somebody outside of that. And again. Colorado has stubbed their toe the last two years in very unlikely fashion, so there's always the chance they're going to do it again, and uh, much as I might like to see that personally, uh, I don't know that that's going to be the case next year, but uh, it would be a very, very, I don't think there could be a more star-studded final than if it was them and Tampa Bay. And uh, Tampa, again, going for three in a row, so hard to do. There was talk that uh, maybe they might be able to stash uh, Victor Hedman on the uh, disabled list, but uh, he, unfortunately for them, made it back uh, quick from the surgery. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't do it. Um, the other thing I was going to mention about Minnesota is if, if some people out there are groaning, uh, if Talbot doesn't do it, I do like Capo Kakinen to go over there, too. He's, he's shown a lot of promise, so they, they're another team that actually has a really good tandem, and I think that's what we're going to find this year is that it's going to be a team with a good tandem that gets there. Exactly. Montreal had a good tandem last year. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that uh, you talk about Bob as a backup in Florida. That's one of the reasons I have him winning the division. Because, you know, night in, night out, who's got a better one-two punch than them? You could maybe find one or two teams in the league, but not too many. Not too many. No, it's true. So I think that definitely helps. It will be. And, uh, again, as, uh, as hockey transitions to the new network broadcasting uh, format here, maybe a chance to get some new eyeballs on the game here because it's going to be showing up uh, on uh, channels that uh, people weren't used to watching. So hockey's always looking for anything that can try and bring more casuals back in. Hopefully that can play a part. Love to see. I agree with you. It's going to be a very fascinating season. And uh, as always, look forward to uh, getting through it, covering it with you, my man. Thank you so much, Russ Cohen. I really appreciate it. And, of course, uh, great coverage always at Sportsology. Thanks. Yeah, always a pleasure. Always fun to, to talk about hockey.
It's great to do, my friend. Thank you so much, and thank you, everybody, for joining us for FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1387.